0: Welcome to the Loans on Demand podcast. The show where we flip the real estate status quo on its head and put loan officers into the driver's seat. We give you all the tools, strategies, resources and mindset needed to modernize your mortgage business and thrive. And my name is Luke Shankula, aka Longform Luke, and this is the Loans on Demand podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we help loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents and put them into the driver's seat. And today I'm excited because we have Amir Syed. Did I say that right? I hope I did. We got him on the show and he is a VP over at Guaranteed Rates and he is also the owner or co-founder of Growth Coaching, I believe it is. You go ahead and talk about yourself, man. Welcome to the show, brother. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Thank you, Luke. Well, beforehand, Luke and I had to practice how to pronounce my last name. And so yeah. good job, Luke. It only took us 10 times, but hey, you hey. got said the right way when it mattered. <laughs> that's
0: right. That's right, man. Hey, I uh, said it wrong probably five times, but I said it right when it mattered. That's right, man. Uh, so welcome but, to the show, man. I'm excited to have a cool conversation, man. I know we talked a lot here beforehand, but let's drop some knowledge on these people, right?
1: Does your audience know that you were born and raised in Ecuador and first 16 years of your life? So if you are listening to the show, probably I want not. all you guys to know that Luke can speak Spanish and he lived in Ecuador for 16 years. So
0: yeah, yeah, that's right, man. That's right. Yeah. yeah. People probably don't know that because, you know, most of the time I'm interviewing other people. So my life story doesn't come up as much as maybe uh, it should. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> I'm excited, man, because I know we got a lot of cool things. I know we have a lot of beliefs that are similar. So before we mm-hmm. kind of get into, you know, the nitty gritty and kind of the value and all that stuff, first of all, give us a quick introduction to who you are and then kind of a background of like, what got you in the market or what got you into mortgages, all that kind of stuff, right?
1: Okay, cool. Well, thank you for having me. And my goal for this podcast is to serve your community and give them the insight of a rags to riches loan officer that came from nothing and hopefully will empower them and inspire them. And given when this podcast is being recorded, December of 2022, you know, the mortgage industry is going through a substantial storm right now. So I hope it makes an impact on just one person listening to this or watching this, but I am a uh, producing branch manager. I won't give you the fancy title of what I do at Guarantee Rate, but I'm really a producing branch manager at Guarantee Rate. I'm based out of Chicago. My wife and my 10 month old daughter are in transition to Miami. We bought a home there. We're waiting to get it finished in renovation, but we're in Little Rock, Arkansas, where our second home is. And so, you know, this has been a crazy year, you know, having a newborn child, moving within three states, you know, still on pace to do about 100 million in production and launching a uh, national law officer coaching company, which is called Growth Only Coaching. It's been a crazy year of me being stretched, (laughs) to say the least. So how I got my start in the business, I've told the story many times, and it's a very captivating story. So and I'll keep it as short as possible. I uh, had a 1.7 GPA in high school. I never did well in school. I never liked it. Funny enough, my kid sister, she's my only sibling, she aced her ACT and went to the London School of Economics. So she's uh, much different than me. I loved business. My dad had a small business in Chicago. I would work every Saturday, six days a week in the summer. I learned how to sell at a very young age. So when I got out of high school, they felt bad for me. They graduated me. I had some great mentors there. I went to college for a little bit. I dropped out because one of the other students was starting to come into class with a suit and tie. And I'm like, (laughs) dude, why are you wearing a suit and tie? He's like, man, I got this part-time job in the mortgage business. This is 2003 for everyone that's listening. You know, subprime mortgage business was booming. No licensing, no fingerprints. Wild, wild west. Rates had come down. Subprime lending galore. And he goes, Amir, you would kill it. I said, dude, I work at my dad's small business. I don't even know what you do. He says, just give it a shot. You're a great salesperson. So I was very worried. I lived at home till I was 27 years old. I'm Middle Eastern. Luke and I talked about you know, Persian people, we're just, you know, immigrants, kids, we just live at home. Like mom does our laundry, makes our food. We live at home. Right. Uh-huh. So we had have breakfast as a family. I said, dad, would you be mad at me if I want to work for somebody else? And I was very nervous and scared, you know, cause I thought you wanted me to run the business. And he goes, no, he goes, actually, I want you to go work for somebody else because you'll learn how hard life is. If you work with me for forever, you'll never know what it's like to have a boss. You've got to go make your own money and learn what it is. Uh-huh. That's all I needed to hear. So I called my friend. I said, can you put me on? He was an account executive for all these small mortgage brokers, and he called one of the new mortgage broker companies. There was two 24-year-old kids that had just left AmeriQuest. If anyone's listening and knows AmeriQuest, it was you know a hardcore cold call shop, one of the top lenders in the country. They had left open on their own brokerage in Chicago. So my friend called them and said, I got a young gunner. Would you hire him? They're like, yeah, have him call me. So I called up Kevin and I said, hey, Mr. Taylor. I thought he was like a 40-year-old guy. You know, I'm 21, 20 years old. He goes, just call me Kevin, man. I'm a young guy. So, okay, you know, I'm going to interview for this job. He goes, come by on Friday at 12. Can you come by Friday at 12? We'll sit down and we'll talk. Look, I literally don't own a suit. I don't have any dress shoes. So I went to my dad's apartment buildings. I took the coins, the quarters out of the laundry machines, went to the bank, (laughs) $300 in coins, went to the mall, bought a DKNY suit, some Kenneth Cole shoes for like $298, Okay. And I kept telling Kevin, I said, Hey, I know Friday's the interview at 12. How about I bring you some lunch? He says, No, 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 I'm good. Just come by. I said, I insist. He goes, No, no, it's totally good. I said, I'm not doing that. I went to my favorite Persian restaurant in Chicago, bought six platters of Persian food, shish kebabs, rice, and everything. <laughs> went to MapQuest and my computer at home, you know, back in the MapQuest days, typed sure. in the address. It was like 50 minutes away from my home. I had never been in this area before in the suburbs of Chicago. Picked up the food, put it in my car, drove over there, walk in, open the door. It's like this small 800 square foot office with a boiler room of like five guys in the middle, and they all look at me, and I'm looking at them like it's Mr. Taylor here, and they just burst out laughing because Kevin's only 24, and I'm like, hey, I brought everybody some food. I know it's lunchtime, and they all looked at me like what? I said I'm here to interview for the job, so. I obviously made a big impression. Okay. Yeah. I got the job right away and I asked Kevin, I go, What do you guys do here? He goes, We telemarket homeowners that have seven, eight, nine, 10% interest rates, and we convince them to apply with us and they lower their interest rate. Mm-hmm. I said, Wow, do they know we're calling? He said, They have no idea. I said, Okay, is this actually working? <laughs> he said, Yeah. You know, and back then there's no, do not call list or anything like that. Right. I said, uh, I love to start. He says, but you didn't even ask me what you get paid. I said, I'm not worried about that. I said, I'm fortunate to live at home. I have no expenses. I just know that I like to sell. I just, I'm looking for an opportunity. I don't want to finish school. I told my parents that night, this is what I'm going to be doing. So if you just give me one year and if anyone is listening and is, you know, Persian or Middle Eastern, you know, your parents Either you're gonna be a rocket scientist, a doctor, engineer, an attorney. Right. For you to yep. be a yep. telemarketer, drop out of college and your parents came here to give you a better life. That's like blasphemy, you know? So yeah, yeah. my parents, you they, they knew me. They knew I was a hard worker. They said, you know, son, you basically I'll paraphrase, you're never good at school. Go do this, give it a shot. So, dude, I would literally make a bunch of calls. I became the top telemarketer within six months. I became the top loan officer within six months. I became the top branch manager. I was the youngest guy out of almost, I don't know, maybe 200 loan officers. And I was a top earner outside the two owners. And it's a skill set that I will tell you I'm very proud of. And I want my grandkids to talk about me in such a way that I came from an environment where I had no body language. I had no people being ready for me to call them. I literally sure. would cold call people and get their social security number on a call and get their credit and have the top producers call them to sell it, you know? And so that level of sales skills to be able to cold call someone and to get their social security the where I started now, anything I do to me is like taking candy simple. from a baby.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's simple. Yeah.
1: So That's my story. uh, The very onset and fast forward, here I am, you know, last year in 2021, I funded about 150 mil. Year before that was about 130 mil. Year before that was about 100. Here in 2022, I'll finish right around 75, 80 million. My branch are all guys that I brought in the business that started at zero million. And last year we funded just shy of a billion with only seven loan officers. This year, I brought on three, four new loan officers. We'll finish right around five, six, 700 million. We're down about 40%. Sure. So it's been a wild ride. I launched Growth Only Coaching. We're at 75 students. I have a 70-person waiting list. Wow. My uh, dear friend, my top producer in my group, who just opened up his own branch, Justin pond. he's only in his late 30s. He did 180 million last year. We partnered up and launched this coaching company. And it's been an incredible uh, blessing. I'm officially at master status, Luke. I, uh, I, I learned. I professional. Now I'm teaching other people. I'm sharing with other people how to do better. Mm -hmm. So
0: I love it. I love it. I think the foundations are super important, man, for everybody that's like listening. I think so many times people like look at cold calling with this, like, I don't know, almost this aura of like disgust, right. Of like, oh, well, I don't want to get cold calls. So like, I'm not going to cold call, but I do believe that cold calling or some sort of like, Cold lead conversations is a super huge skill to have. I think that goes hand in hand with building relationships, right? Like the hybrid LO, I think at this day and age is going to win. They're going to win beyond what the average person is, right? I think if you have both skill sets, you're going to be able to survive in a market like we're in, right? You know, you talk about 40% down for anybody who's listening like, you know, the good top producer here, Amir is down 40%, right? That's huge. The market is down. It just is. And so obviously wanted to have him on here to just talk a little bit about you know, what he is doing in this market to, you know, stay on top of what's going on. And so, I mean, obviously crazy story, man. I love the foundations and I, I do think there's a massive like lever that you were able to pull by learning that first, right? Because if you learn in like the good times, we think about like over the last, what, 12 years or so we've been in a bull market, right? Since what, 2008, 9, whatever, after the whole 12, okay, 9, yeah, 10, 12, 11, yeah. whatever, 12. Yeah. Basically the last 10 years, I guess we call it, it's been good. And then all of a sudden it's been bad again. So it's like having to learn how to sell and having to learn how to like sell beyond rate. Like, you know, so many times over the last, especially two years, it's just been, well, you got a lower, it's 2% rate. You don't want to refinance. Are you crazy? Like that's it's so easy. And so how do you think that that kind of was able to help your growth, you know, throughout this whole entire, um, whatever is 19 years, you said you've been in the business.
1: Yeah, 19 years. Yeah. I think I've been through so many different storms, Luke, that I'm uh, kind of desensitized and I just yeah. zoom out and I think this is my career. And, you know, just like anything, there's seasons. And so sometimes people in the mortgage business forget that we have seasonality, we have market conditions. And so when it snows, we freak out. You know, a lot of loan officers. Thinking they're living in San Diego year round, and then when it snows in San Diego, they're like shocked. The mortgage business is not San Diego. The mortgage business has all the seasons. It's going to hit you with some rain. It's going to hit you with some snow. There's going to be some sunny days, and you know you just got to put on your parka, your winter boots. You got to put on your shorts, like to use some sort of simple analogy. So the first bust I went through in 2008, you know, fortunately at the time, I have uh, really good guidance. My parents really guided me. To save my money, you know, and to be smart. And if I didn't have them, I would have probably blown my money, but I was living at home. I bought a 17 unit building at 24. I still wow. own it till this day. And I lived at home. I kept my expenses low. And so I was able to understand that when it was booming, it was not going to always last like that. Sure. And so like a squirrel, I just kind of scrolled away. I made some good investments and that stuff subsidized me through one of the worst housing crashes, economic crashes ever. And then, you know, when the market turned back around, live below your means, you know, I got latched on with one of the greatest coaching companies in the mortgage business, you know, and they really guided me to stay within my bumper guards as well, to do the right activity, to continue Mm -hmm. to save money. Because I do know when the market is booming, my mindset, Luke, is a bust mindset. When the market is busted, I have a booming mindset. I have learned to have counterintuitive mindsets at different cycles, you understand right. and so that comes with yeah. just experience that comes with putting the right people around so everybody that's going through this storm this is a storm this is like a tropical storm i don't even think it's like a hurricane you know because right. on the other side of it things are going to be really good
0: right right i love that and i think there's value to that i mean you talked about you've been with coaching and companies things i think that's one of the biggest things that if you look at any top producer, the majority of them have a coach or have had a coach or have multiple coaches. Like, and then you see so many people and you see these Facebook groups were like, Oh, you know, you can find everything for free on the internet. You can find it for free on YouTube. Like, sure. You can totally find things for free on YouTube. That's a great resource for a lot of things, but like, in my opinion, the shortcut to finding what's going to work for you is working with someone like a coach or like a coaching company, right? Like you're working with someone like you even, right? That's going to guide. that has been through the same hurdles that you've been through. And again, i see so many times people saying that what I think is a lie, it's a fallacy that like people who can't do teach. Right. And I think so many times, like, yeah, sometimes that's the case. I think most of the times the people that are teaching are just people that are passionate about helping people, right? Like they're passionate about helping other people grow. And that's something that's a fulfillment thing less so than like, uh, let's go make a whole bunch of money doing this type of thing, right? And I do think, obviously, there's the snakes out there that are doing it. But I do find that coaching is a huge way for everybody, anybody who wants to level up to level up. But talk a little bit about that. Like, what was kind of that as you were going through the ranks? Like, did you do a lot of coaching back then? What was kind of that look like? And then, you know, as we're kind of coming into these market, like, we'll kind of get into some tactics and strategies that we can yeah. kind of stretch to
1: well, I own my own brokerage during the housing crash. I opened my own okay. brokerage at 26 years old, which was back in 2006, I think. I might be off like my age a couple of years, but it was around that time. And then, you know, the <laughs> market kind of sure. hit the fan and I kept my business open. I had some loan officers, processors. I really was in the red, but I didn't want to lay anybody off. And I just rode the storm. But then it mm-hmm. got really difficult. So in 2012, I decided, you know, who am I? Like, I started to really think like, Who am I? Who do I want to date? Like, where do I want to live? And I read this article, how the male brain, the prefrontal cortex is like the CEO of the brain and it's fully developed at that age. And it helps men make better decisions. And I'm like, wow, that's true. I'm 32. Like, I don't want to own a company. Like I know what kind of person I want to date. I know what I want to do. And I'm like, I want to sell and lead these guys. And I want to just build a business. And so I really got clarity on who I was. And I think that's very important for people to like know, like, you know, is the mortgage business the right business for you? This is what you need to succeed. And if it's not go find what you really love to do. Right. And so like, I can never be an accountant. Like I can't sit there and crunch numbers. So in 2012, I said, you know, this is what I want to do. We found a great company. We plugged in. They had a lot of bigger producers than me. And I'm like, if they're doing this much volume, I have no excuse. I know I can put loans through the system and I can learn from them. And then I said, okay, okay. There's no shortcuts in life, but I do know there is actually one shortcut. Mm-hmm. And it's if I find someone or some people that are getting the results that I want, and they're able to explain to me how they do it and hold me accountable, I will gladly exchange money for the knowledge and the accountability. And that's what proved really good for me and I'd be part of my life. Right? Like I have the best personal trainer. I have a great marriage counselor. I have a great online LinkedIn and Twitter content creator. He's one of the number one in the world. I just paid a six-figure check to the number one e-learning coach in the world, right? Hmm. So I just feel like if I want to do well, I will find those people and I want to shortcut it because life is uh, not long and life is not short. Life is medium, Right. right? The days are long and the years are short, but like I'm 41, like I really only have about 10 or 15 more years left. I'll gladly invest in myself. I'll gladly take some money and learn from somebody else. But the key, Luke, is the accountability. Mm -hmm. I don't trust myself, okay? I don't trust myself that if I go in the gym, I'm going to do 12 reps at a really higher clip. But if I have a personal trainer that will tell me how to get the right form and push me to do it, I'll get faster results. Now, some people listening to this might already be gym addicts and they know what to do, but a lot of people are not business addicts. They don't know what to do in their business. So pay a little bit you know, and get someone to push you to do it. I'm a believer in that. Everybody has resources. Not everybody's resourceful. And yes, you can get stuff on YouTube and stuff, but come on, man. Like the accountability is the X factor. I meet so many people that tell me the same thing. And I say, okay, well, how many realtors did you call last week? Do not, you know, fib on me because I read body language. Tell me, give me the number. How many events did you attend, right? How many past clients did you call? Track it, tell me. And the answers are always, you know, this whole excuse. And I'm like, dude, you know, like at the end of the day, it's all numbers and it's all doing what you think you should be doing.
0: Right. I love it. I love it, man. It's funny that you said that because I remember a couple of years ago, actually a few times this happened where another marketer would come to me and say, Hey, like, how are you growing? I'm like, well, and I just asked like how many cold emails did you send? How many people did you cold call? How many DMs did you send on Facebook and Instagram? Oh, how much are you spending on ad spend? Oh, 500 bucks a month. You think you're going to, you know, create a seven figure business doing that? Like, come on, man. Like it all comes down to, I love the conversation of leading versus lagging indicators. And so many times people are so focused on results, which is lagging indicators, but they forget about the leading indicators, which is like the actual actions that are going to get the results. And so a lot of business and sales and marketing, all these things, it's just patience. It comes down to doing the same things over and over and over again for long enough time that you're gonna see the results from your actions. So many times people just want that end result. They want the closed loan. They want the deal. They want, you know, the girl, whatever, but they don't want to put in right. the work that's required to get that. Right. And so if you focus and I guess, you know, it's kind of cliche, but falling in love with the process is really the only way to achieve what you want. Because I mean, especially if you're just getting started, if you're getting started this year, like what you know, or the last couple of years, like it's a hard year. Like and there's gonna be hard times. And if you are an entrepreneur in any realm, whether it be real estate, loan officer, or anything, like there's going to be hard times and you're going to have to go through it. And if you're so focused on the outcome and you're looking for this like destination, you're really not ever going to arrive. And if you do, like you're just going to lose interest and you're not going to keep going, right? I don't know where I was going with that, but I just know that like (laughs) business is hard, right? Like business is hard and there's hard (laughs) times and there's like... If you're not willing to bleed for like what you believe in, like you're probably not gonna last in that thing for very long, right? Like if you're thinking about leaving the industry now, maybe it's okay, maybe that's a good thing, right? Like you talked about that, I Amir. Mean, maybe it is the right time to leave if it's not something you're passionate about and you're willing to bleed for a little bit to get to the other side type of thing, right? Yeah, you're dead on.
1: I think when someone decides to come into the mortgage business as a 100% commissioned loan officer, they have made the decision to become self-employed. Yep. When you become self-employed, there's risk involved in that. And people do not do a good risk analysis, right? Yep. And they don't make it through. And that's why a lot of small businesses don't make it through, you know? And yeah. what I want to share with people is that just because, you know, you own put them a small business, you're not just a loan officer anymore. When you are a self-employed loan officer, there's other skill sets that have to be developed to allow you yep. to be successful. And I don't think people teach us this. The first day we come in board is like, You know, you're on your own, you're a loan officer, but you're not here to actually do loans. Part of you getting loans is how you deal with people and how you do offensive activities and how you build rapport, how you discover, how you ask the right questions, how you close, how you follow up. And people are just not investing money or time or effort in those skill sets. You know, when you think about a formula, the sum is loans, right? How you get loans is your audience. It's how big of an audience you have and how big of an impact you make on that audience. That gives you the loan. So what does this mean? Big audience of realtors that you make a big impact on will get you the loans. So when you become a loan officer, you're not actually a loan officer. You're a recruiter of people. Because if you recruit people, it means people have decided to come to your company, to you, your brand, to you, your business. So I think everyone has to learn that you have to understand sales. This is a high income sales business.
0: hundred percent. Yeah, sales, marketing. I think those are the two the most valuable That's skills right. anybody can develop. And what I love is that you develop true sales. And what I mean by true sales is like, you took someone that doesn't know, like, or trust you, from virtually cold and not virtually actually cold to like someone that's giving you your social security. That's the hardest form of sales. Not saying yes. that, that like getting a referral is not technically sales because technically a referral is you still have to sell yourself. Like you have to be competent, but it's a very different equation. And I think in a market like today, it exposes people more, right? It exposes people that have never learned how to convince people, right? They haven't learned how to sell beyond like the rate. Like, and you know, I hear so many people saying, well, I just want to wait. And it's like, well, why do you want to wait? Like I think loan officers just allow that. I mean, it could be a real objection, but sometimes it might not be a real objection, right? Sometimes it might just be that they think that they know better than the market. They think the rates are going to go down in a year, but we saw how that worked for people in you know two, three years ago. And like, oh, I'm going to wait for the market to crash, right? I'm going to wait for this. I'm going to wait for that. And now homes are whatever 300,000 more than they were 3 years ago, right? So there's right. a lot of value. I think loan officers need to also understand that they're the leaders and people are looking for leaders. I think sales is leadership as well and That's right. um you know, one of the things that I have this conversation all the time is people get like this sort of negative stigma around sales because traditionally sales in the way that most of us view it and the way the media presents it is that it's like the slimy sort of like, hey, we're going to convince you to do something you really shouldn't be doing. But in my opinion, sales is just leadership, but it's just asking the right questions to expose the problem that the person has, and then offering up a solution, whether that be your solution or not. So be it. Like, you know, that's what ethical sales is. But so many times people want to say, I'm an advisor, not a salesperson. And I don't think that's true. I think you're probably both, right? You're probably more first a salesperson and then second an advisor. But anyway, tell me your thoughts on that, man. Like,
1: well, I think uh, you're right. You know, my dad was a used car salesman. (laughs) And so... When I hear that, it bothers me, to be honest with you. Sure, of course, because of course. A stereotype. But I understand it, though. You understand? Because my dad yeah. was the most ethical used car salesperson and owner ever. Mm-hmm. You know, and some people know his story publicly. People would come to him from across the Midwest to buy cars from him. He literally wow. sold to the earth. And I learned how to sell. And so, you know, another time I'll tell you some stories about legendary things I learned from him, seeing him in action in that used car mm-hmm. lot. So I get it, man. Unfortunately, there's been a lot of bad apples. Right. Like people have negativity towards politicians, you know, and so people have a bad stereotype around doctors and loan officers. Like there's always going to be bad apples. Right. But there are good everywhere. So my thought on that, Lucas, you're absolutely right. I think 90 percent of all salespeople operate from a place of greed, of fear, of scarcity, and it Mm -hmm. forces them to basically, you know, manipulate and persuade There are prospects to do something that is not ethical, right? Right. However, really great salespeople operate from a place of abundance and love, right? And just, you know, fulfillment. And so what happens is all we do as salespeople is we know that people have a problem, right? right? That's life. We are presenting ourselves to be the best option for them in their solution. Yep. That's all it is. It's a competitive environment to say, you need a home mortgage, right? At the end of the day, you have options to pick for as a lender. Here's why I believe I'm going to be the best fit for you. Obviously, in a much more you know methodical way, but that's all right. it is. And then it's a salesperson's job to basically convince their prospect that they're the best option.
0: How yeah, does that happen? Exactly it. Yeah, that's exactly it. it,
1: right? Yeah. So a great salesperson, first of all, has to work on themselves and understand who is my ideal prospect? Who am I best able to serve, Right. How do I study this prospect and know what their biggest needs are? How can I learn emotional intelligence and communication to be able to uncover what it is they need, right? Mm -hmm. Like a hint is great salespeople ask for permission, right? And they suggest. Bad salespeople do a lot of telling, right? So if you see me in action one day, Luke, I don't never tell. I'm like the neck and I allow my prospect to be the head, right? I really want them them, to.
0: Yeah, exactly. You, you want them to make the decision because one thing that I even tell our guys is like, if you do it the opposite way, where you're pushing, it's the external pressure, you create buyer's remorse. So obviously it's a little different in mortgage, but you'll create that person that like, cool, you got the application, but now they don't pick up the phone because you freaking push them too far, right? Like there's external yeah. and there's internal pressure. And if you create internal pressure where they make the decision, like you talked about, you're actually getting a better sale because they feel like they made the decision themselves, even though, as you said, you're really guiding them to the decision that you want them to make. And again, like sales is a little bit scary because without ethics, sales is a very strong way to get people to do things that maybe they don't want to do, right? You know, it can be very manipulative and manipulative has always had this like negative stigma. Technically sales is manipulation you know, obviously, like when you do it in the right way, it's not like manipulation in a negative term. It just is like, hey, you're convincing someone to do something that really they want to do. I don't know. I just going kind of down this rabbit hole. I just love sales in this perspective that like, really, you're just trying to guide someone in their journey, right? Like they're talking to you for a reason. And if they don't have a problem, then you can't sell them. So like you said, like you have to have that problem, you have to identify the problem. Sometimes they don't know they have a problem. Sometimes you have to get them to identify and self identify with the problem. Before they'll be able to put forward too. So, anyway, sorry, I took right. that down a tangent.
1: <laughs> it's all good, man. Listen, it's a conversation that has a lot of depth, right? And yeah. there's different levels of selling. I just feel like everyone is a salesperson in itself. You know, sure. I've met with doctors that I just felt like are just so transactional, you know, and like they don't have any empathy. And I'm like, man, this person needs to learn some salesmanship. Police officers mm-hmm. right now are getting a lot of really, when you think about it, sales training. <laughs> you know, right. Sales is a part of our culture. It's part of human beings. It's part of who we are. Really, the essence of sales, Luke, is emotional intelligence, empathy, right? Mm-hmm. And communication and sympathy. You know, it's really who we are as core as humans. Like, right. not to go on a rabbit hole, but when you think of some of the most powerful people ever in history, right? Jesus, for example, right? He was a problem solver. He had empathy right? He hung out with anyone. He didn't discriminate. He was a problem solver, right? Like he was a great salesperson. He knew people had pain and he knew people had needs and he was there mm-hmm. in a very loving way to show them AI hey, care. If you here here to listen to you, here's how I'm going to help you, right? Not to use that kind of maybe a controversial thing, but sales is very fundamental in everything. Yep. Everything, yep. right? And it has to be about others. Like when I'm here with you on this podcast, right? We started before this call We didn't just get in here and talk, right? Like, I'm like, Luke, who are you? Tell me about you. And look what I learned about you. Like, hey, you knew I was Persian. I said, how did you end up in San Diego? You're like, I was in Ecuador for 16 years. That's selling in itself, right? Yeah, I love it. Before we get on here, we build some chemistry with one another, you know? And I'm here to help you. You're here to help me. We showcase one another. Other people will get a good vibe from this podcast. Like, that's what selling is at the root, is connecting with others.
0: Yep. Yeah. And I think that's huge. I think there's so many people that are like you said, transactional, right? Transactional. And it's been easy to be transactional recently because like, again, I see so many times we're like, well, you know, like I don't take them seriously unless they fill out an application link first. And I'm like, you haven't even had a conversation with this person. Like, what do you mean? They're just going to fill out an application. Like, again, I mean, maybe I'm being controversial because I posted about like the online applications being the worst thing that's happened to the industry. The reason I said that is because I feel like it's created a lot of bad habits with a lot of people. Not saying every loan officer uses it the wrong way. I just think a lot of people have created bad habits. And part of it is because like, sales like part of it is discovery part of it like you know there's a lot of things there i know we can go talk about this all day i want to try to leave us with some sort of couple little nuggets of wisdom that we can go out and take and implement today so let's say if you're getting started today or like what would you say is like a one thing that someone could go out there today and go grow their business
1: okay if someone is starting out or is newer in the business fortunately this is such a great time where I think it's an even playing field. I think all mm-hmm. top producers need to have amnesia. And I think they need to think about, I'm a rookie again, <laughs> you sure. know? And so the advice I'm giving, I think is a blanket piece of advice. But if it's specifically, specifically for newer loan officers, first off, I think they should get plugged into the right community. They need to sure. be around a community of other optimistic, seasoned, principal based loan officers. Because working from home in our basement without understanding trends and these things, it's just very difficult to do that. Sure. So community is very important. And if it's not physically is plugging into some of the great communities out there, like my community growth only coaching is all very driven people that also you know, lead with a servant mindset. So community is number one. Two, sure. I think that they need to invest in learning guidelines and announce them. This is where I think a lot of them get concerned is like, what are people gonna think of me on social? This has never been a better time to have social. Facebook, for example, is number one. Then you have some of your other long form content, you know, platforms. They can do a podcast, things like that. But however, long story short, Luke, I think every day they should wake up, consume some information, create some information, obviously, and post it, and then engage and converse other people, realtors and things like that. And what'll happen is, They'll legitimize themselves within their audience and say, this guy's really passionate. This guy is really professional. This guy's all in the mortgage business. Every day, he's creating some value, right? He's educating me, entertaining me, empathizing with me, enlightening me through what he does for a living. He's all in. That's why I teach my students right now. This is where leadership really shines. Don't hide. Be the fun of the pack everyone is on social. Every single day you have to lead in the morning and let people know you are really committed to this business, right? Third, I would say is, um, you know, get out there. Like, I hear a lot of loan officers talk about, I want to add value for my realtors. And I say, okay, well, what does that look like? Right? Get your hearts in the right place. I study realtors, Luke. I'm obsessed over realtors. So I'm in Arkansas. My nephew, 14, loves deer hunting. He has got literally deer magazines. He's watching deer YouTube videos all day. He's literally like studying freaking deer, right? And I'm like, like, Tutu lives in Arkansas. Yeah, exactly. So I said, Tutu, <laughs> that's his nickname. He goes, I love deer hunting, Uncle Amir. I just love it. But listen what a 14 year old can teach some grown ass adults in the mortgage business. You want to hunt realtors, but you don't even spend time studying them. Like my nephew, yep. Tutu studies deer. So what do I do? Every single week, Luke, for 90 minutes, I work on my business. Working in your business pays your bills. Working on your business pays you big. You understand? So I sit down for 90 minutes and I study realtors. I go to their blogs, their Facebook groups. I go to Inman. I go to the clothes. And I'm like, wow, five killer comebacks for realtors when their client says, I want to work with my friend. Five killer questions to ask on a listing for realtors. I will study it, put it in a playbook, send it to my realtors. They will get it and I can chase it through the power hour. And they're like, Amir, I'm one of the only law officers that every single week sends me something that literally helps me make more money.
0: Well, and I was going to say that real quick. You didn't just do it once too. That's the other thing that people do. No, they'll do it consistent. once, they'll do it twice, they'll do it three times and they'll say it doesn't work. Right? So that was one thing that I noticed that you just said there was a, a gun. I do that how, every single week.
1: How do you think a kid that was not born in this country, that came here with nothing, that barely graduated high school, that is lapping 99% of the law officers in this country. Okay. It's not because of my natural talent, it's because I'm very You're consistent. Great looking. I'm I, I mean, I got a big nose <laughs> for anyone that's listening to this, you know. But Luke, when I say that, is I'm consistent. I know consistency yeah. and effort. I know most people are just not going to do it every single day. That's what yeah. I lean on is I'm going to show up every day. you're going to have to kill me for not to show up. Consistency is my friend. yeah because yeah. you know consistency I... tells me about someone's character. I made an awkward pause there because I want to really let that sink in for people. I judge people based on their consistency because it tells mm-hmm. me everything I need to know about your character. Sure. Pretty powerful, no? Yes. if I say I'm going to do something, I'm consistent now listen not to get too deep in some high-level business talk, there is sunken cost fallacy as well. If something's not working, I'm not just gonna show up to be like, I'm consistent. You gotta be smart with how you're consistent. But some of these things, dude, boring business, do the same thing every week and people will respect your consistency.
0: It's funny that you bring this up because I worked as an account executive for a few years, right? And so every single week I sent out this newsletter, this random email to every company that I had approved and we did reverse mortgages, right? So like most of these people didn't even do reverses my business started going up and started going up and started going, I would get more and more business. And all of a sudden I stopped. Like, I was like, oh, this isn't working. I kind of like stopped. I kind of got into this funk and it like started going down. And I was like, holy crap, that little like consistent newsletter, crappy newsletter that I sent out every week actually worked and actually did create this interest because like I was giving value before I was in marketing. So I didn't know anything about marketing. I was just being a marketer without knowing it. It was interesting because, you know, I was getting tons of business from just random people would call me people that never did reverse mortgages will just call me. And it was because I was consistently sending out value to these people that weren't actively doing it. So as soon as they said, Oh, you know what? I came across a reverse mortgage. I'm going to go, you know, send it to Luke because you know, he's the only one that's been telling me about it. Right. So consistency always works. And you see with social media all the time, people will post for a week, two weeks, three weeks, and it doesn't work. It's like, I find that social media is like six months plus. That's when you're going to start to see results. So.
1: Yeah. I think um, it's familiarity, you know, and, Mm -hmm familiarity loves consistency. And I think, you know, we talked about earlier about how results lag effort and people look at the uh, lagging results, right? And I love that you said that, that's absolutely right. It's like people right now, even with what's going on in the mortgage economics, where high inflation rates are high. Well, dude, we got here because of what happened six months ago and beyond. Well, what's gonna happen in six months from now, look at what's happening now that's basically foreshadowing that rates are going to come down. I live in the future simultaneously while living in the now. So look, all those efforts people make with newsletters and mailers and Facebook and this, dude, patience and focus and consistency, not to get too cliche, dude, those are superpowers, man. Yep. Those are literally superpowers is how can I be patient in this process, right? And know that if I just work my land, I trust the sun and the rain will do what they need to do. Right now, especially in 2022, when everything's dopamine fixes, like everyone gets like, you know, Uber, McDonald's is on my door five minutes later. It's really a place where people have to live in is that I'm just going to understand that if I just stay consistent and committed and focus, hyper focus, the main thing is the main thing, right? LeBron James is a basketball player, but then he's doing all these other things, but he would not have those other things if he wasn't a basketball player first. Right. People just don't want to become great basketball players and become great loan officers. And they just don't want to stay the course. But yeah, hey, I right. got to be honest with you. I like that. I have a mixed, bittersweet feeling around that. Good. You keep doing that because you keep doing that and the top one percenters keep dominating. We need ditch diggers. <laughs> you understand?
0: Yeah. So that's right. The other
1: part of me is like, if you're willing, I will help you and I will show you how to do it. But that's the beauty of the game of life is that not everyone's going to be that way. That's why other guys win.
0: I love it, man. I love it. It's one of my favorite books, Fanatical Prospecting, talks about that. Oh, dude, the, uh, great book. 30-day rule. Yeah, great mm-hmm. book. If you haven't read that book, read it. I probably mentioned it now on 10 or 15 John podcasts. Uh, yeah, great book. This just talks about that 30-day rule, right? The actions you take over the next 30 days are going to have Effects over the next 90 to 180 days, right? Like, so not looking at it from that perspective. So, if you see that you have a slow month right now, like, what were your actions 90 to 180 days ago? That's what's really going to tell you, like, why you're slow right now, right? Low, in 2012,
1: I did 10 million in volume. In 2019, I did 100 million before the pandemic boom. Right. I started from nothing. So, what I'm trying to tell you is people say, How'd you do 100 million? Dude, don't read chapter 25. Read my chapter like 12. That's really where the action is. It's everything I did freaking five years ago that got me here, you know? Mm -hmm. So you and I are speaking the same language right now. Yeah, yeah. And listen, is 2025, 2026, 2027 gonna come? It's gonna come, correct? I don't know, unless you have a superpower that could stop time. So I tell people all the time, don't regret 2026. Like it's coming. Do the work now and you'll be proud of yourself in three, four years and just trust the process.
0: Love it, man. I love it. I think that's huge. I think, again, patience is huge, especially in a market like we're in today. Patience is going to be huge, but in business in general, Things take a lot longer than you think. I love the quote that says, We overestimate what we can do in a year, but we underestimate what we can do in 10 years or something like that. Like, so there's just so much we can accomplish in long yeah, space of time.
1: Bill Gates said that. Yeah. As long
0: as I don't remember the exact quote, I think it's a little bit off, but uh, you know, no, that's on it. That that that's it. You nailed okay. it. You nailed it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so just to close out, man, like if someone wanted to kind of learn a little bit more about you, your business, your coaching, uh, where can they find you? What's like a good place to reach out to you?
1: Well, Luke, thank you, my brother, for having me on here. appreciate Absolutely. you just letting me showcase my years of experience and my knowledge. It means a lot. And I really hope this impacted somebody. And I'm looking forward to building our friendship. I know you're doing a lot mm. to help you know loan officers go through the direct-to-consumer stuff. But if anyone is uh, interested in contacting me, you know on Facebook, just Amir Syed. Instagram, just Amir Syed, A-M-I-R-S-Y-E-D. Please connect with me. Send me a DM. Tell me you heard me on here. And If you want my time, you want to pick my brain, you want to network just through those social channels. And my coaching company is growthonlycoaching.com. If you're really thinking about, you know, having guided, incredible coaching through accountability from active, practicing top producers, where's that right fit for you? You know, and I think coaching is never more needed. And I'm going to leave everybody with this. Get excited. I really think this business, just through uh, data and through facts that I researched, I think this business is going to go on an unbelievable run. It's going to be the roaring 20s. Get excited. Just do the work now and know that we have this incredible opportunity to make an impact and make so much money over the next few years. So thank you very much.
0: Yeah, I love it, man. And again, thank you so much for being here. I feel like we could have gone another hour, but uh, you know, I wanted to be respectful of your time and obviously the audience's time to not have to listen to a two hour long uh, podcast. Put it on 2X, man. Put it on 2X, guys.
1: Yeah, right. we might we might have
0: to do a follow-up one in a few months just to kind of get part two. But yeah, thank you so much, man. And for me, like the biggest takeaway, I guess the main one was the consistency piece we talked about, because I think that trend came through the whole entire story, right? Just starting from the beginning. I mean, you just went, obviously at school, you weren't super probably consistent, but uh, in terms of like the actions that you wanted to do, I mean, you know, like you were the top producer, or, you know, top uh, setter, whatever it was called in the first six months. Telemarketer, you know, don't fancy telemarketer that word. Yeah.
1: Telemarketer,
0: yeah. Sorry, telemarketer. <laughs> setter sounds a lot more sexy, man. I was a telemarketer. <laughs> in the marketing world, in the marketing world, we call it setter, even though it's pretty, right. pretty much the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so that's what I thought was cool is you had that consistency throughout the whole time. You made the calls, you did the actions that were required. And a lot of times that's not sexy, right? And for anybody who's listening, like a lot of times the unsexy actions are what's actually going to get you the results you want so many of us are looking for that magical tool that's going to make us a millionaire tomorrow, but like, that just doesn't exist. And guess what? The only way to shortcut your way to that is to pay for people that have gone through like what you're looking to do, right? Like, you know, it's doing something like growth only coaching, doing something where it's like someone that is ahead of where you're at, finding someone that can mentor you that's really, in my opinion, the only shortcut to success or having a daddy that has a bunch of money that can just, you know, fund you. That's another quick shortcut but <laughs> other than that that's the stuff. after hours podcast you know yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. how to find your that's sugar daddy <laughs> right or is rich daddy? you know one of those two right right so um <laughs> yeah i know thank you so much man and appreciate you being here and for everybody who's listening thank you so much and if you are interested in learning how to flip the status quo on the real estate agents go to flip quo.com thank you so much <clears throat> for listening and have a great day thank you for tuning into the loans on demand podcast on loans